Welcome to Health Accents, where we discuss advances and trends in medicine. The show is produced by WOUB Public Media in Athens, Ohio. I am Dr. Nicholas Mazidis, Associate Professor of Specialty Medicine at Ohio University. And uh, our program, Health Accents, will be with you uh, several times uh, over the course of the year. We will be announcing the frequency And uh, we will be discussing various health topics which are of interest uh, to our audience. Today, I have as my guest Dr. David Drozik, who is uh, an assistant professor of surgery at the Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine of Ohio University. He's also founder and director of the Lifestyle Medicine Clinic, which uh, is based uh, in Athens and uh, also in Nelsonville in our area. And uh, the reason we're going to be touching on uh, the topic that we've selected today, which is the importance of nutrition in our management paradigm, is because we've come to realize that uh, nutrition has a very, very central role in uh, managing illness. Unfortunately, this was something which has been neglected for many years Uh, in the past I believe physicians were much more aware of this, but uh, over the course of the past 50 years, let's say, we've become so enmeshed uh, and enamored of uh, the medical and pharmaceutical approaches to illness that we've uh, kind of neglected the fact that there are fundamental principles which are very, very important in uh, dealing with these core issues that have actually become plagues for our uh, population, and uh, certainly for the generations, both the present generation uh, and also those who are now of the baby boomer age who are entering into the what we would like to call golden years, but they've become a little bit of an issue. So, David, I'd like to greet you to the program today. Thank you. Happy to be here. And uh, as mentioned, uh, Nutrition is such an important subject. Unfortunately, only a quarter of medical schools in the United States are offering even a single course in nutrition, down from, I understand, 37% over uh, a period of uh, 30 years ago. And uh, this is interesting because primary care physicians at this point in time, from what statistics are telling us, spend about 10 seconds discussing nutrition topics in the grand uh, scheme of events in terms of their interaction with patients. And uh, interestingly, back in 1903, Tom and Edison, uh, Thomas Edison had predicted that the doctor of the future will give no medicine, but will instruct his patient in the care of the human frame in diet and in the cause and prevention of diseases. And I believe that's an area which you're focused on and that you are actually now involved in popularizing in our particular area. I hope I'm popularizing it. It's the, I think it's the answer for a future. Our current system is not sustainable uh, with uh, better than half of our population with uh, diabetes or prediabetes. Uh, as that continues to expand and the complications associated with that in the future, we just can't afford that um, either with our uh, financially or with our productivity, our loss of productivity. That's very important, actually, because uh, from what it looks like for all of our advances and for what we're doing and uh, for the money that we spend, actually, for health, we're living fewer healthy years now than we once did. That's something we're living longer, but we're living sicker. 
And uh, do you think that uh, there are now specific causes that we can associate with this particular problem, the fact that we're living longer but not the way we should be living? Well, I think the science is there. Unfortunately, we were not being taught that very well in medical school. At least I hadn't been up until uh, fairly recently when I confronted my own illnesses that I became aware of it when I was looking for the answers. Uh, But the science is pretty clear that uh, our diets are a big part of the cause of our problems. If we would shift toward a plant-based whole food diet, we would be much healthier. We can actually even reverse many of these lifestyle-related diseases that are a problem for us. Interestingly, you know, we have the impression that uh, our genes are kind of responsible for the fact that we have to get sick. And uh, science is showing us that genes often account for only 10 to 20 percent of risk. Uh, in the paradigm at most. Uh, so there are other factors. Oh, definitely. Uh, again, nutrition, exercise, stress management all play a big role in those. And we can uh, modify those and even reverse many of these diseases that we thought were not curable in the past, such as coronary artery disease, diabetes. Uh, some of the cancers can be actually reversed with uh, good nutrition, exercise, stress management. So it's interesting, you know, that uh, we recognize in public health uh, three levels of preventive medicine. So we have primary prevention, trying to prevent people at risk uh, to suffer the illness. So heart disease, for example, to suffer a heart attack. Then we have secondary prevention when you already have a problem and now you're trying to prevent the problem from getting worse, second heart attack, for example. And then uh, at the third level, you're trying to focus on helping people manage these long-term health problems and rehabilitation programs and so on. So uh, we want to really get into the game here at the first level, right, just to prevent. Ideally, yes, but there's a role in all three levels for this new specialty of medicine called lifestyle medicine. Tell us a little bit about the option there that we have. With nutrition, for example— Um, If we would choose a healthier diet, we would move away from a diet that consists predominantly of animal products and processed foods and began eating more plant-based foods, things that are what we call whole foods. They look like their original source, sort of like applesauce resembles apples. It's not processed out of recognition like a Twinkie would be. Where does that come from? There's no recognition there. But if we we would eat more of the whole foods as they're grown, uh, we would benefit from the nutritional value, and we can actually see our bodies get healthier. Now, we're implying here that uh, nature has packaged the various foods, and uh, in processing, we're in effect taking apart this packaging and offering something which is, we call it processed, but it's supposed to be easier to manage, to prepare. Uh, Is that doing a service then to the recipient, to the consumer? Uh, No, we've seen pretty clearly what's happened. It's a reductionist mindset that we use in medicine as well. We try to strip out specific compounds from from nature and package it as a medication and sell it uh, at a high price, and we find out it doesn't work near as well as it would have in its natural packaging. There's a group of 
compounds called phytonutrients. They come all combined together and they work in symphony in things like apples and oranges and vegetables, like broccoli and beans and seeds and nuts and all of those kind of things. They all come together packaged with multiple phytonutrients that don't work as well when we separate them out and try to uh, market them separately. But when we eat them in balance as nature has, we truly benefit. Very true. So we're trying to reinvent the wheel in a way because we're taking apart nature's packaging and then we're trying to put it together. So we put a processed food and then we fortify it because the processing took away the vitamins that were in there in the first place. And then we try to substitute a different type of fat for what was originally there. But uh, we're coming to recognize then from what you're telling us that uh, this type of experimental packaging that that we're putting together may not have good – effects in the long run? Correct. And one of the key components that we tend to strip out is fiber. Uh, Natural fiber comes only in plant products. There's no fiber in any animal products unless it's put there artificially. But for example, things like white bread. Uh, White bread, white rice became popular. It was considered uh, a, a luxury, something for the wealthier people rather than the brown rice, uh, the brown bread that had the fiber in it. But as we've purified that, we found out that uh, we have lost a lot of the nutritional value in doing so. So uh, we've kind of taken a shift from what it looks like, you know, Uh, I guess probably in the most recent decades towards a diet which is dominated by animal sourced and processed foods. I guess that's in the food supply. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that uh, this allows us to inexpensively source foods and provide them to the population. And is that something which is uh, true? I mean, is it Actually, it's a, f- a good myth because to eat healthy uh, on a plant-based uh, diet is actually less expensive. Those numbers have been run nationally. They, we've done the same kind of calculations here locally and with some of the uh, places locally that we can buy food in bulk um, – I don't know if I can mention them here online. It becomes a does it become an advertisement? But anyway, there's several places we can buy bulk food and offer. It's very inexpensive compared to buying things that are already processed and canned and put into boxes and dehydrated. We can eat foods and prepare them very inexpensively and very healthily. And there's this concept of uh, caloric density. So I Mm -hmm. guess when you're uh, eating the way that you mentioned, uh, you're not only, I guess, jogging the system because you're using all the components of your digestive system to full advantage, but at the same time, uh, you also are uh, acquiring more valuable nutrition in a way because we happen to be overfed and undernourished in a way with the way we're doing it. Yeah, one of the interesting things about fiber that comes naturally in food, uh, talking about the caloric density. So if you eat, for example, an apple, it keeps that caloric density down. It fills you up. The fiber is a filler on one hand, so your stomach is full. You feel satisfied when you eat. But when you take that fiber out and eat the same caloric amount of the food, it's less. So you eat it and you're still hungry and then you go eat more and you tend to overeat calorically because you're not satisfied. And again, that's part of that processing is we've stripped out uh, the fiber. That's only one advantage of fiber is that it decreases the caloric density. We're finding more and more uh, 
interesting things about fiber, such as just the digestive byproducts in the intestinal tract from having fiber. Um, when we uh, feed our bodies the correct amount of fiber, the correct type of fiber, uh, there's some healing capacity there for our body, the, the byproducts of the fiber. And interesting, you know, what you're bringing up on fiber is important. Dennis Burkett uh, had uh, originally in his studies shown that uh, the large amounts of fiber in uh, third world populations in their diet was actually of great benefit. And mm -hmm. I recall that he was making also certain correlations in terms of bowel movements and everything else that was going on and showing that there was a great benefit, right? Mm -hmm. Because all of this fiber stimulates the gut mm -hmm. and many of our illnesses these days, right? I mean, that are big time, diverticulitis and diverticulosis and all of this uh, would probably not be as much of an issue. Yeah, he was way ahead of his time. It's the observations he was making uh, as a missionary doctor in uh, Africa, he noticed that uh, the people who were eating a, uh, a natural diet high in fiber had a different consistency to their stool. He noticed that they rarely had diseases of the GI tract, such as inflammatory bowel disease and colon cancer and diverticular disease. He also noticed that there was a less, less of an incidence of things like appendicitis and hernias, heartburn associated with hiatal hernias, and even varicose veins. That's tremendous. And, you know, that's interesting because uh, the concept of fiber and what we just mentioned about the bowel and its function relates very much to a group of uh, fellow travelers, which we want to discuss in the second part of our presentation and uh, discussion today, uh, the microbiome. And we're going to return to that. You're listening to Health Accents from Studio B here on WOUB.org. I'm Dr. Nicholas Mazidis. I'm here with Dr. David Drozik, and we're discussing issues that relate to the modern diet, the way we have it here in our industrialized societies, and most importantly in the United States, and some of the issues that are generated, some of the health issues that are generated, which we would like to avoid. And we touched on the topic of the gut and its function and the importance of fiber, and here again, we have the microbiome, which are several trillion bacteria that we're carrying with us. I understand that uh, weight-wise, maybe we're dealing with something like five pounds of bacteria that are traveling with us in our gut that are interacting, and that's our special garden, right? Mm -hmm. Now, how does this uh, particular approach or diet benefit the garden that's interacting with us? Oh, that's it. Uh, fascinating field of research. Cleveland Clinic's been doing a lot of research on that in particular. Um, they're looking at a compound called TMAO that accelerates atherosclerosis and may also play a role in other diseases such as uh, some cancers and diabetes. And what they found is after feeding somebody who is eating a standard American diet um, an egg for example, is what they used in their study, they would get a spike in this TMAO level 24 hours later. Um, then they found if they gave somebody who was eating, in their study, antibiotics to kill off the bacteria in their intestinal tract, then they gave them the egg, remeasured the TMAO levels, they were normal. There were none there. So it had something to do with the bacteria. 
Can you remind us about the TMAO, what it represents or its importance for us? Uh, I don't, I'm not a biochemist, don't have all the details on that other than it plays a role in accelerating atherosclerosis. So it's a factor which it could be detrimental and it accumulates uh, in uh, the particular situation with the diet, right? The, the diet as we have it. Correct. Uh, now, the American Heart Association, based on this and uh, many of these other observations, they've uh, recommended there are simple seven factors that can lead to a healthier life. And mm -hmm. so they mentioned not smoking, not being overweight, uh, being very active, so walking at least 22 minutes a day, eating healthier, along the lines of what we're discussing, having a below-average cholesterol, having a normal blood pressure, having normal blood sugar levels. So uh, this is all, you know, very nice to achieve, and uh, the question is how many people can achieve this. Um, we certainly, I guess, what do you think, David, if we implement these uh, seven uh, components we're going to achieve very significant results? I think so. I think the science is there, and that's basically where those recommendations came from. Um, it's a matter of choice. For a lot of people, it's very difficult because of our cultural peer pressure that we have, but uh, we've seen again and again people, even in our own community, who've decided they want to take control of their own health as they do so. Uh, they implement these, and they find that uh, they get well. So by putting these factors into play and by actually having a program that allows us to realize these goals, then we can probably say that we're extending life, right, significantly. Mm -hmm. So what would you say? We would add maybe 20 years to a lifespan. It depends on when you begin to institute the changes. But yes, you can actually add quite a few years, even uh, middle to early uh, retirement age. You can Make not a difference. You can make a difference, not only in quantity, but in a, a big difference in the quality of the rest of your life. And that's where we need to remind our listeners that uh, the body has the capability of reversing illness. The body has uh, restorative capabilities if it's allowed to do its job. But if it's overwhelmed with things that are not appropriate, obviously you don't have the opportunity to clean house. So, David, your program now, which you've brought to uh, Athens, uh, tell us a little bit about that and how you approach this so that we can achieve the goals. The origin of the program came out of my own uh, transformation. I hit my early 50s and realized that I went to see my primary care doc like we're supposed to and found out that I had prediabetes, I had high blood pressure, high cholesterol. I thought I was healthy. Um, tried the usual things, was given prescriptions uh, for some medications, took the medications, had side effects from the medications and thought, well, uh, I guess this is the best I'm going to be able to do and found out the uh, diabetes was actually progressing. I was eating what I thought was a healthy diet based on what I was hearing in the in the news and um, without any good authoritative um, background. And then I had the advantage of hearing Caldwell Esselstyn when he came to Athens back in May of uh, 2011, and he presented his study up in Cleveland Clinic where people who had end-stage heart disease with a life expectancy of only one to two years who instituted a plant-based whole food diet, 20 years later, all except one of them was still alive. The only one that died 
was one that dropped out of the program, didn't want to continue with it. He had the x-rays to show where their clogged arteries cleaned up. He also said their diabetes got better, they lost weight, they got off of their medicines. Well, I was intrigued because he was talking about uh, some of the same problems that I was beginning to, to experience. So I went to the science, looked at things like the Adventist Health Study and became convinced that this made sense that we should try it, even though I'd never been taught this in medical school. So I made the changes in my own life, experienced a complete reversal of diabetes, high blood pressure, lost about 30 pounds and felt well, and felt the need then to begin sharing this with people in the community, with my own patients. I'm trained as a surgeon, um, used to fixing the end end stage of a lot of these problems, but uh, now saw the option to actually help people get well and avoid uh, the end results of a lot of the illnesses such as diabetes and heart disease. Um, began with uh, the Complete Health Improvement Program, the CHIP program. Uh, saw many people experience health through that program. However, that's, uh, the program is a little out of reach financially for everybody in the community. Uh, looked for another option and then developed uh, the, the Lifestyle Medicine Clinic as a low-cost, affordable option for people who were unable to pay the uh, tuition rate for CHIP. That's very, very important. And now within the program there, what are the principles we prom- of your approach? Yeah, we promote a uh, plant-based whole food diet. We try to get people to eat at least 90% of their diet. Uh, from a plant-based source. Um, We encourage 40 grams of fiber a day, and we teach them how to easily measure that. Uh, We encourage either 30 minutes of moderate exercise a day or 10,000 steps on a pedometer. Uh, We also encourage institution of some stress management techniques and uh, to deal with any unhealthy habits such as tobacco. Do people find that difficult? I mean, you know, they say that uh, making changes from our conventional American diet is such uh, a restrictive approach and probably not realized. What do you find? It depends. It is difficult for some people. Other people are ready. Uh, They know what diabetes does. They've seen it in other people. Uh, I have a patient I saw today who's just made remarkable progress after watching his wife suffer through diabetes. He was determined he didn't want to suffer through that himself, and he's made some huge changes just by instituting some simple things in his life. And actually, it should be a group approach, no? Don't you think it's good if you, or you probably do, get uh, both uh, the spouse also involved? Yep. I see people both individually and in small groups and in large community classes. I think the the group setting works best. You need a buddy to do this with. The Lone Ranger approach doesn't work. Uh, It's especially difficult in a home where one person wants to do it and the partner's not interested. That's uh, difficult but not insurmountable. We've had many people uh, that have found success even though their spouse was maybe resistant to it. Is it complicated? Do you have to learn how to cook? Or uh, There's some simple things that we teach. Uh, there's nothing complex about it. There's some simple rules that everybody can uh, institute pretty easily. Um, but no, it, it's not difficult at all. I can do it. Now, my wife's a, an excellent cook. Uh, it's very easy to eat her food. I can manage myself. I can eat what I 
what I cook, but I sure enjoy hers much more. And it's easy to get the ingredients that we're talking about. These are things that are, I mean, it's not like we have any fancy supplements here or anything like that, right? We can Nope. Uh, very inexpensive, very easy things that you can get at the grocery store. Part of our program uses some uh, the video series by Jeff Novick, and we show some of the videos. We lend the videos out to people who are participating. There's some copies at the library, and he begins with showing just the simple things to stock your pantry with that you can make quick, healthy, 10-minute meals. What do you recommend as having as basics in your pantry? Oh, some things like uh, brown rice, whole grain pasta, uh, some low-sodium tomato products, frozen vegetables. They're inexpensive, 99 cents a pack. Um, fresh produce for sure. If you And you don't have to buy the expensive fancy things. Buy what's in, in, uh, in season and easily available. Uh, potatoes, sweet potatoes. Um, all, these are all very inexpensive. So seasonal and also things which are uh, local, right, mm-hmm. uh, locally sourced, so you're in sync with your environment. Uh, now, you always, uh, I think, emphasize the importance of beans, legumes. Yes. And why are they so important? Well, for many ways. Uh, one is they're high in protein, so and they're high in fiber, so you get this uh, this low caloric density, and they also have many other uh, properties. They help blunt the blood sugar. Uh, There was a recent study that came out showing that just eating one cup of beans, and pretty much any kind of beans, it it didn't matter, beans or lentils, one cup a day for five days a week had the equivalent effect for controlling blood sugar and losing weight as restricting 500 calories a day. Now, to restrict 500 calories in somebody's diet – uh, if you were just taking away food, would be pretty difficult for a lot of people. Hmm. But by adding the beans, you actually get to eat more, and you're satisfied, and you don't miss the calories, and you get the the benefit of weight reduction and of better control of blood sugar. And interestingly, the beans have also certain components that are known as anti-nutrients, which uh, effectively interfere with the special part of digestion that has to do with starches so that they can delay the absorption of blood sugar. And for those people who have diabetes, as you were mentioning earlier, you might get a smoother response to the meal, uh, which allows their insulin and their drugs and everything else to work better, maybe using less medication. For that yeah, and the effect from beans lasts up to six hours. So if you have some beans for breakfast, you get the benefit even into lunch of keeping that blood sugar blunted. So those uh, components that we're talking about in beans, many times they're featured as medications that have these properties. But uh, here's something with a diet, which is easy to get, right, and relatively inexpensive and satisfying. So you don't have to resort to pills uh, to get this effect uh, that we're talking about. So now, uh, obviously, this therapy now that we're talking about is kind of like an arrest and reversal as opposed to just trying to attack things head-on and uh, declare a war on cholesterol or diabetes or whatever. So you're working with a body and with a system. Is that the way you view it? Right. There's a couple of paradigms that are used. One is the usual is disease maintenance where we give people prescriptions. We see them in three months. We renew the prescriptions. And we're not really doing much. We're 
we're doing our best to keep the disease from progressing. Um, but what we're talking about is uh, along the paradigm of a sink where the tap is on and it's running over and spilling onto the floor. Uh, where we in modern medicine have spent our efforts is mopping up the floor without going up and turning off the tap. Uh, the tap is due to our poor diet, our sedentary lifestyle, and we're suffering the consequences and we're dealing with those rather than moving up the chain, turning off the tap, starting, stopping the, the overflowing sink. That's very important that you bring. Now, that's very graphic as you describe it. Now, I know that you also emphasize stress management, which is mm -hmm. important, and you want to maybe just uh, touch on that aspect of all of this approach? Sure. There's some very um, significant biochemical changes that have been noticed even after a, a short, as short as 12 minutes of yoga or other stress management uh, techniques that are um, utilized. Uh, one of those has to deal with our telomeres. That's the uh, been likened to the end of a shoelace, that protective end on a shoelace. The telomeres on our chromosomes, the uh, parts of our cells that divide and help us reproduce our cells, has a telomere on it. And every time that cell divides, that chromosome gets shorter, or I'm sorry, the telomere gets shorter and shorter, and it gets to the point where if, when it's too short, basically the cell dies of old age quits reproducing. So it's like a shoelace and you're clipping it away mm -hmm. every time you're putting your shoes on, so to speak. And if you just run out of shoelace, the shoes are probably not going to be of use to you. Right. So uh, this is something that you can influence though, right? Yes. And that's the interesting thing. Uh, Dean Ornish showed with one of his studies where he actually reversed prostate, prostate cancer. He also measured the telomeres, which generally they get shorter and shorter and shorter. But when he put people through his program that uh, included a plant-based diet, exercise, and yoga and other stress management techniques, he actually put length back on the telomeres. So in essence, adding life back into the body. Which is where we started, which reminds us that uh, you actually are gaining years, mm -hmm. years that are productive, that are useful, uh, years that you can spend without visiting the physician uh, with some type of chronic problem. And this is totally at our own uh, discretion at this particular point in time and under our control. It also reminds us that diet, when we speak of diet, coming from the ancient Greek word, uh, it means that there's a lifestyle involved, diet, exercise, stress management. Diet is not simply the food that you put on your dish. And uh, this particular approach, we're very fortunate that we also have it here uh, in Athens County, and uh, Dr. Drozik uh, with his Lifestyle Clinic, obviously. How can we access the Lifestyle Clinic? Uh, we have a website. Uh, we do. It's www.thelifestylemedicineclinic.us. That's all put together without any spaces, thelifestylemedicineclinic.us. Uh, we also have an email, TLMC. That would be the Lifestyle Medicine Clinic at ohiohealth.com. Phone number for our clinic is 740-753-7323. That's very helpful. So this is a very interesting topic. We will also have the opportunity to revisit this. Uh, obviously, uh, there's a lot of work coming in this direction. We've come to understand that the paradigm of uh, using expensive medications and very aggressive procedures uh, 
doesn't really buy quality life and actually doesn't really extend life as much as we would have anticipated for the effort expended. So, again, we'll be touching on this. Thank you very much, uh, David, for joining us today. Thank you for listening to Health Accents, produced by WUB Public Media in Athens, Ohio. Our audio engineer is Adam Rich. My name is Dr. Nicholas Mazidis, Associate Professor of Specialty Medicine at Ohio University.